What do you know? What do you know? No, that's the title of this morning's lesson is what do you know? Um, I can tell you what you don't know. I can tell you what I don't know. And I can tell you this because of what James said. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14. We're studying James on Wednesday nights. We'll get to this text, but I want to preach on it this morning or at least start with it. James chapter 4, verses 13 and 14 tells you what you don't know. Come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, spend a year there, buy and sell, and make a profit. Whereas you do not know what will happen tomorrow. Sometimes we say, well, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to do that, and, you know, two years from now I'm going to do this, and three years from now I'm going to do that, and, and James says, why do you do that? You don't even know what's going to happen tomorrow. For, he goes on and continues, what is your life? What is your life? It's a vapor. It is a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away. Remember as a kid growing up, my grandparents had a uh, camp on a little pond in Maine. Uh, and when you get up in the morning there at camp as a kid, you can remember, of course, Maine's a lot cooler than it is down here, but you know, you get up in the morning and the water's a little bit warmer than the air and the mist is just rising off the lake and nothing smelled quite as good to me as a kid in those days. Then, then when, remember, the, how many of you remember those old percolator, coffee percolators, little glass top tin over an open fire, oh boy, that coffee smelled good when it was cool in the morning and, it's, and the vapor was rising, but you know what? It wasn't long and I was out there fishing on that pond and the vapor was all gone. It just, just went away. And James says your life is like that. It just gone. Truer words were never spoken. You do not know what will happen tomorrow. None of us here knows what tomorrow is going to bring or if we'll even be here to see it. I've told you the story, so I won't bore you with it, but um, former congregation I was in, lady came in Sunday morning, gave her a bulletin, gave her a hug. Before midnight that night, she was dead. She was just as healthy as the rest of us Sunday morning. You, you really don't know what's going to happen day to day. You don't know if you'll even be here to see it. You don't know what tomorrow may bring regarding political issues. Our political world is very volatile, to say the least. Cultural issues. None of us know what tomorrow's going to bring as far as our own personal health, right? our own personal safety, our own personal family. We don't know what's going to happen even within our own family or financially. We don't know what kind of national dilemmas or natural disasters are going to happen tomorrow, even tomorrow, Monday, the 18th. We don't know. 15th, sorry. I was thinking ahead to devotional, the singing Wednesday night. We don't know what's going to happen even tomorrow, even regarding life and death issues. And, and you know sometimes when we're younger and we're, we're teens and all, we think, well, you know, I'm going to live like everybody else till they're 80, 90. It, it doesn't always work that way. Nobody knows what's coming, when, or to whom. 
If there's one thing that the last 18 to 20 months should have taught each and every one of us is you don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. How many of you, if you had been told three years ago that something was gonna happen that would have the worldwide effect that COVID has had, how many of you would have said, yeah, I believe that? Wouldn't have had a clue we would have dismissed this fantasy and foolishness. Anybody that had come to us three years ago and said, look, there's going to come this thing and it's going to shut down so much, it's going to shut down whole countries, it's going to do all of the things that it's done. We'd have thought they were out of their minds. We'd have thought they were nuts. And yet here we are. We don't know what's going to happen. What if somebody had told you 25 years ago? That some of the things that have become the norm today were going to become the norm. What if, what if somebody had told those soldiers returning 50 years ago that the country that they went to fight and die for the freedoms and defend would turn out to be the country we live in today, where God is relegated to obscurity? You know, the fact that none of us can know, just like James said, what's going to happen tomorrow in all these aspects I've covered, that can make life a very, very scary Fragile, vulnerable, frightened existence. Can it? It can. Can make a very fragile and insecure existence for each and every one of us each and every day because we just don't know. It's almost like some people live their lives like they're trying to just stay on the move and make a, make a, a hard to hit target because something bad's going to happen. And these things are scary things, and they can happen to any of us. We, we never know when we're going to get that dreaded word. We never know when we're going to get that dreaded letter or that dreaded diagnosis or illness. We don't know when any of us are going to just become another innocent victim. You think those people a few years ago that went to that concert thought they were going to go there and get shot down? We never know when we go shopping. You know, you, you hear of all these things happening even in Tulsa. We don't know if we may become another statistic, another innocent victim, or when we're going to take that last breath of, of sweet air. You know, I love to drive. Drove tractor trailer for over 20 years. Love to drive. Karen loves to ride and do a craft. So we, we, we drive a lot, okay? It's kind of what we do. Everybody has a hobby, mine's driving, okay? Just saying. But we never know when we leave that driveway if it's going to be the last time we leave it. Is that fair? None of you know the last Sunday that you're here might be today. We just don't know. James said you don't. I'm not, I'm not trying to, be, to bring us down, but, but, but these are realities, and, and James explained that. You just never know, and that can make life very scary. King Solomon validated this for us in Ecclesiastes 9, verses 11 and 12, when he said, I returned and saw under the sun that the race is not to the swift, nor is the battle to the strong, nor bread to the wise, nor riches to men of understanding, nor favor to men of skill. But time and chance happens to them all, Solomon said. Time and chance happen to them all. A man does not know his time. Like fish taken in a cruel net. Like birds caught in a snare. So the sons of men are snared in an evil time when it falls suddenly upon them. Even King Solomon in all of his wisdom said, you know, you, you don't know. You don't know. And you know, I feel so bad. I feel so bad for so many who are so needlessly trapped in that endless cycle of absolute doubt and dread and panic and uncertainty, which, which Satan wants us all to live in. He does. Do you think Satan wants you to live joyfully for God? 
Do you think Satan wants you to live a happy, joyful Christian life? He wants you as miserable as he can possibly make you. And he does it through all of these things, the, this panic and, and, and all of this. And, and, I, and I feel so bad for, for those who every day are so scared of so many things and so worried because, as I said, it's needless. That, that's the biggest pain. It's needless. I feel so bad because God has done everything in his infinite power to make sure that we as human beings have the personal power to live each day for him filled with joy. Hasn't he? he he's made that possible. It, the Bible tells us he, he's not given us a, a spirit of fear. 2 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7. People don't have to be trapped in that cycle. And it, it's, it's, that's why I feel so bad because God, God, doesn't want us trapped in that cycle. I feel so bad for those people because freeing themselves from that cycle is so incredibly easy. It, it really is. It, it really is simple. Not easy, maybe, but it's simple. You see, the answer to not only dealing with, but actually getting to the point that life's upcoming unknowns and even today's issues of concern pretty much become non-issues. To a large degree, not totally, we're human, but they pretty much become non-issues altogether. The secret to, to making that happen lies in one thing. Learning, knowing, taking to heart and counting on. The most important, most far-reaching thing that we can know for absolute, rock-solid, certain. The one thing that we can know and that is that God is true to his promise. And some of the things contained in that promise. This shouldn't come as any surprise that, that that's the biggest way to free ourselves from that, from that cycle. It shouldn't come as any surprise at all. Jesus talked about this very thing. Open your Bibles to John 8. Jesus himself told us 2,000 years ago that knowing, knowing the promises of God, knowing the word of God is what will set us free from all of those other things. In John 8, verses 31 and 2, then Jesus said to those Jews who believed in him, if you abide in my word, if you live there, if you put down roots, if you stay there, that's what the word means. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. Look, and you shall what? You shall know the truth. There's things we can know about tomorrow. There's things that we can absolutely lock down, take to the grave. No, we can't know what's going to happen tomorrow in the political world, the financial world, our personal family world. We can't. But there are things we can know that will help make that so much less intimidating. You shall know the truth, Jesus said, and the truth will make you free. It is only when we live in his word, we abide in his word, we study his word, that we can know the truth. And it's knowing that truth from God that sets us free. Sets us free from a whole, a whole multitude. I almost said multitude. That's a combination of uh, multitude and bunch. Multitude, okay? We, we know a whole multitude of things, right? 
that it sets us free from. Knowing the word of God, knowing the promises of God sets us free, yes, from, from false doctrine and all that, but it sets us free from so many other things. It, it sets us free from that cycle. If we know the word of God, Jesus said, it will set you free. It will set us free from all the worry and the doubt and the fear and the trepidation and the sin of this life that, that ultimately robs us of our joy every day. We see a good illustration of this truth in John chapter 6. Look in John 6, back up a chapter or two. John 6, verse 63 and following. Look at this. Good illustration of that. John 6, verse 63. Jesus said, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Catch that. It's the spirit who gives life. You want life? You want that abundant life that Jesus talked about? It's the spirit that gives that. Okay, how does the spirit give it? Okay, he, he goes on to tell you, okay? He said, it is the spirit who gives life, the flesh prophets, the words that I speak to you, those are spirit and those are life. It's God's word that gives us life. And I'm not just talking about breathing life, I'm talking about spiritual life that gives us joy, that sets us free from that cycle, that sets us free from that worry about tomorrow. It is God's word that gives us that life. He goes on, it goes on down there in verse 66 to say, from that time many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. And Jesus said to the twelve, do you want to go away? But Simon Peter answered him and said, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We're right back to that word. That word that gives life, it gives eternal life. It's not just talking about instruction in order for you to obtain eternal life. But the, the words of God are spirit and life. They give us life to the fullest, joyful life, full life. Notice Peter says, and we have come to believe and know that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Can we know that he's Jesus, the Son of God? Do you know that Jesus is God's Son? Well, let me tell you something. If it wasn't for the Word of God, you wouldn't. That's how we know is the Word. See, the Word in studying the word of God and being set free from all those things. What, what, what a beautiful thing that is because it's through the scriptures that we know for sure who God is. I, I don't know what's gonna happen tomorrow. I, I don't know if I'm gonna have a heart attack tonight and not be here tomorrow. I don't know if you're gonna be planning my funeral in four days, things could happen. I'm not being facetious, but it's possible. Is it not possible for any of us? But I know this. Something I can know that helps me deal with that unknown, I can know that Jesus Christ is the Son of God and I can know it through his word. That I do know. And I'm willing to take that to the grave. I do know that. You know, look at it this way. There are many video games, movies, oh, all kinds of movies. Let, let your mind think here for a minute. Movies and video games wherein the theme of the storyline involves this. People are seeking some vastly powerful prize. They're seeking some object that will somehow enable them to exercise great power and control over a situation. Many movies follow this. They're seeking this, this, this thing of, that will give them all kinds of power and influence and, and all of that sort of thing. You know what? Bible study is basically that. Constant Bible study will do exactly that and way beyond because, because 
We're not seeking some man-made answer. We are not seeking some man-made fantasy or fiction or fairy tale or video game. When we get in and we seek the truth of God's word, we can know. And, and, and that knowledge that the word of God gives us, that we can absolutely take to the grave, gives us power over all of those unknowns. It gives us, it gives us peace amidst all of those things that we can't possibly know because of what we do know from this book. Being engaged in constant Bible study at every possible opportunity provides real power from the real creator of the universe to really and truly crush under your feet any potential monster that is in your future tomorrow. Here's how it works. The Bible says, God's divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through our knowledge of him. All things that pertain to life through our knowing, our knowledge of him. And that is the reason we are to continually grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior. Both of those passages say that. 2 Peter 1, 2 through 11 and chapter 3, verse 18. It is only through constant and continual Bible study, it's only through, through getting into this word on a regular basis, continually adding to our knowledge, our knowing about God, that we come to know. K-N-O-W, underline it, embolden it, make it big print, that we come to know for sure the love of God, which surpasses knowledge. Did you catch what Paul said in Ephesians 3, 17 through 19, turn over there if you didn't. Notice what he said as he said he prayed for his Ephesian brethren. Brethren in Christ, just like most of, of you guys are. Brethren who were faithful members of the Lord's first century church, just like so many of you are. He said to them this in Ephesians chapter 3, beginning at verse 17 and moving on to 19. He said that his, his hope and prayer for them was that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Stop right there. Our point in the sermon is, our knowing only comes from the Bible. And that what we can know from the Bible will take care of all those unknowns in tomorrow. Okay? But take that one phrase. Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. Where's faith come from? Faith comes from hearing. Hearing by the word of God, right? Romans 10, verse 17. That's where faith comes from. Faith comes from knowing God's word. So when he says Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, what's he saying? He's saying, I want for Christ to dwell in your hearts through your knowledge of him you got from the scriptures. That's where faith comes from. Faith comes by hearing. That you being rooted and grounded in love, may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the width and the length and the depth and the height to know the love of, there's that word, to know the love of Christ, which passes knowledge. He said, I just, I want you to, to know this love. I want you to know the infinite expanse of this love that Christ had. Where else are you going to learn that but the word? If you're going to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge, you're only going to get it from the book. That's the only place. But when you do, and when you get in there, when you study, and when you, when you see the love of God, and you, you see what God did, and you say, well, I've been a Christian 10 years, I know. I guarantee you this, you don't know it all. Because if you do, I need to go sit down, and you need to be up here. 
We don't know all the intricacies of the love of God. Listen, do you still have some things to learn about the love of God in your life, do you? You're gonna learn it from the word. And this is what he's telling us, brethren, to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge. Why, why does God want you, why does Paul want you to know the love of Christ that passes knowledge? Why? Why? For the very reason we've been talking about. The very reason he writes down next, right there in verse 19. That you may be filled with all the fullness of God. He said, the reason I want you to know through faith through knowing the word, the reason I want you to know the love of Christ is so you will be filled. Not with dread for tomorrow, not with fear, am I gonna live another 10 years or 20 years, not with, with panic over the political situation, not with duress over finance, that, no. So that you're not filled with those things, so that you can be filled, filled to the fullness, with the fullness of God. The rock-solid truth that we come to know and count on. Brethren, don't miss this. The rock-solid truth that we come to know and count on as we search and study the scriptures daily so overshadows, so overwhelms, so overpowers and pretty much obliterates all the things that we don't know and can't know about our future. They become pretty much non-concerns and when they do we are free to live the fullest and most joyful and god-glorifying existence possible i want to give you some examples although we can't know our future let me give you just the slightest glimpse into what we can know from the from the scripture in order to help crush that cycle crush the unknowns and make them just peripheral things. <clears throat> For example, when the bottom falls out of your life, when the worst happens, when the roof caves in, when the bottom falls out, when life just goes completely sideways and swiftly falls off a cliff, or as the prophet Habakkuk put it in Habakkuk 3, 17 and 18, though the fig tree may not blossom, nor fruit beyond the vines, though the labor of the olive may fail, the fields yield no food, though the flock may be cut off from the field and there be no herds in the stalls, listen to what he says, yet I will rejoice in the Lord God of my salvation. Isn't that incredible? If I'm starving, if the income stops, if that stops, if, I, if, if there's all these problems, he says, I'm going to rejoice in God. You know, how could he say that? I'm going to tell you how he could say it. He could say it because he knew what we are about to talk about. Because he knew what we can know if we are constantly in the Bible. You know what we can know? We know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love him, to those who are called according to his purpose. Can we really know that? Can we? Can we know it when the bottom falls out? Can we know it when we get that diagnosis? Can we know it when we get that phone call? Can we know it when, when life just goes sideways? Can we know that God causes things, God brings things for the children of God that love him, that God can bring good out of that situation? Do, can we know that? 
Bible says you can. Either God's a liar or you can know it. I mean, that's the only two options we got. We know that all things work together for good to those who love God. And, and the more we study the Bible, it's not just knowing that phrase. It's seeing how it works. And the more that we study the Bible, the more that we're into the Word of God, whether as a group or individually, and we see how this is, is true in the lives of so many, men like David and, and Job and Paul. Did, did God cause the things in Job's life to work together for good? Horrible things. Things I don't want to go through. But... In the end, it says Job was better off than at the beginning. Remember that? About the life of Paul, David. That knowledge that God causes all things to work together for good caused the Apostle Paul to write some amazing things. Things like Romans 8, 35 through 37, when he said, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress Persecution. Did Paul know anything about persecution? <laughs> Did he know anything about distress? He said, what's going to separate us? Tribulation, distress, persecution, famine, nakedness, peril, sword. As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things, we are more than conquerors. Did he know that God could bring good out of even the worst? Yes. How did Paul know that? Paul knew the Bible. If you don't think so, read through some of his epistles and see what he quoted. He goes on in 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10 to say, Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. He said, when I have infirmities, I'm going to boast that the power of Christ may rest on me. Therefore, he says, I take pleasure. Now, now when we think of, of pleasure, we might think of vacation, we might think of boats, some of us might think of sports, some of us might think of different things we take pleasure in, things we really enjoy. Paul says... Therefore, I take pleasure in infirmities. Paul, are you out of your mind? No, Paul says, I, I know God. I, I know him whom I have believed, and I am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I've committed to him against that day. And that's, what, that's what Paul's response would be. He says, I know him. I know God. And so he says, I take pleasure in infirmities, reproaches, needs persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. How could you say such a thing, Paul? Because Paul knew God. He knew the promises of Scripture. You see, knowing all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to His purpose, that causes our fearful trepidations to become faithful expectations. That turns our bleakest assessments into blessed assurance. And it transforms today's tragedies, as well as tomorrow's troubles, into pretty much non-concerns. And I know it's easy to say, Doug, you don't know what my life is. No, you're right, I don't. Nor do you know what mine is like. But God, who knew before you were created in your mother's womb every little thing that you were going to go through in your life, God, and God's, the, the God said, you can know these things not from Doug. Look at, look at the multitude of examples or, or just a couple of that multitude we have from the Apostle Paul, how, how knowing that God could turn all things to good, God would have all things to work together for good, just knowing that one promise. Look at, look at what the Apostle Paul could say about some of the trials and, and the terrible things he went through. Look with me, just one chapter, Philippians 1. Philippians 1. 
In Philippians chapter 1, watch this concept unfold. Verse 12, we know Paul is in chains. We know that he's under house arrest here, and, and he says this in verse 12 of Philippians 1, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. God brought something good out, Paul knew he would, so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord, having become confident by my chains, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Did God bring good out of his chains? Yes. Did Paul know he was going to? Yes. Could Paul face that and look at that and say, okay. Could he? He did. Look what he says later on. In Philippians chapter 1, verses 19 through 21, he says, I know. See, I love that word. Do a, do a word search sometime. The word know in the New Testament to what we know. Paul said, I know. Paul said, I know. There was no doubt in his mind. He didn't know everything that was going to happen tomorrow, and, and, and the reading will prove that, but he said, some things I do know, and so what happens tomorrow isn't going to matter, the unknowns, because of what I do know. Look, look at this text. He says, I know that this will turn out for my deliverance through your prayer and the supply of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, according to my earnest expectation and hope, that in nothing I shall be ashamed, but with all boldness, as always, so now also Christ will be magnified in my body, whether by life or by death. Did Paul know whether he's going to live or die? Nope, didn't, didn't have a clue. But what did he know? He knew God had him, didn't he? We need to know that. See, it's so important as Christians that we know that because if we know that, then so many of the unknowns just, how many of you like cotton candy? Still cotton, oh, I hate cotton candy. You know, cotton candy's great. You know the problem with it? You put it in your mouth this big and it's this big. You cotton candy, right? Don't get it wet when it's on the stick or you're going to lose a whole lot of mass, right? That's what knowing the word of God does to the unknowns tomorrow. It makes them go, Paul said, I know. I know this is going to turn out for my deliverance. I don't know if it's going to be by life or death, but I know it will. For to me, verse 21, to live is Christ, to die is gain. He goes on to say, if I live on, this, this will mean fruitful labor for you. If I, if I don't, that's okay, because I'd rather go and be with Christ. He didn't know which way it was going to go, but he said, I know either way I'm delivered. Wow, what a difference. Brethren, there is nothing on this earth that can make us truly know and fully integrate into our hearts and our minds and our actions and our attitudes the fact that God can turn the worst of problems into the best of blessings, like consistent Bible study, nothing on earth. Okay? But let's move up a step. What if, like James or Paul talked about, we find out tomorrow that our brief, vaporous, earthly life is about to come to an abrupt halt? What then? It's going to be hard. No matter what age we are, no matter who we are, it's going to be tough. Because we don't know so much about the life to come. How do we get to heaven? What happens? There's always been a fear of the unknown. And we're human. Don't, don't get me wrong. We're, we're all human and we all struggle with that. And I understand that. But what if, what if we find out tomorrow that, that we don't have a lot of time left? For the well-informed child of the living God who has repented of their sins, 
who's been washed in the blood of Jesus and has done the best they can to walk in the light as he is in the light, engaged in constant and consistent Bible study, let me show you what that person knows for sure that helps with even that worst of scenarios. You know where it is? Turn to be in your Bibles, the first, uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Turn over, look at this. What we know gives us so much strength and power to face tomorrow's unknowns, even the worst of unknowns. Even if, even if we find out we aren't going to be here that much longer. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, look at what verse 1 says, brethren. This is talking to Christians. This is talking to people who've been washed in the blood. He says, for we know. This is not up for debate. This is not a chance uh, of maybe this or that. This is not perhaps this. This is not a, like, like some of these germ killers kill 99.9%. .9%. This ain't a 99.9% .9 thing. This is a 100% for we know that if our earthly house, this tent, our body, is destroyed, we have a building from God. Isn't that awesome? We have. Not we're going to have. We have a place all prepared for us. We understand it. We have a building made from God. A house not made with hands, eternal in the heavens. Not only do we know that we have this house there, we know it is eternal. For in this, that is this body, we groan, earnestly desiring to be clothed with our habitation, which is from heaven. If indeed having been clothed, we shall not be found naked. You, you've got to be in Christ. For we who are in this tent, that is this body, groan, being burdened. We bur we're all burdened, brethren. We're all, everybody in this room has probably got something they're dealing with. They've probably got some weight on their shoulders that's overwhelming. Probably. Might even be that some of us have gotten that news. Being burdened, not because we want to be unclothed, but further clothed, that mortality may be swallowed up in life. He who has prepared us for this very thing is God, who also has given us his spirit as a guarantee. God has prepared the studious child of his for even if this earthly tent is destroyed. We can know. Know. We have a home in heaven when this tent is gone. I want that just to sink in. Why are you here this morning? Are you here to celebrate God because your sins are forgiven? Mm -hmm. And if your sins are forgiven, that means there's no condemnation because you're in Christ. If you've been baptized into Christ and you're living the best you know how, you're not flawless, you're only human, but you're living the best you can. You're walking in the light as he is in the light. The blood of Jesus, his son, continually cleanses us from all sin. 1 John chapter 1. If you're here this morning because of that, you can know. You may not know how it's going to happen, but you can know that you have. I know I have a home in heaven. Not because of Doug Dingley, but because of Jesus Christ. All because of Jesus, all because of his goodness, not mine. But I know I got one there. You know how I know that? I know that because that's what the Bible, for the Bible tells me so. And that takes so much of that, that fear and anxiety out of the how, the when, the where, and all of that, because we know that if this temple is destroyed, we have a home in heaven. And, 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 and that makes it so much easier to live in the joy of God. But I only know that because of the Bible. There's no other way to know it. Look what else uh, he said, and, and I know I quoted this earlier, but just turn there real quickly. 
The Apostle Paul, some say, well, I've done bad things in my life. Well, he killed Christians, so compare to that, right? 2 Timothy. We can know if we're under that blood, brethren. 2 Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 8. I love this passage. One of the first texts that I learned when I became a Christian was this one. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 8. Sorry, 1 Timothy. I put the wrong Timothy down. 1 Timothy. I knew that didn't look right. Hey, that looks better. And I thank Christ Jesus, our Lord, who has enabled me because he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry, although I was formerly a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent man, but I obtained mercy because I did it ignorantly in unbelief. And the grace of our Lord was exceedingly abundant with the faith and love which are in Christ Jesus. This is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am chief. However, for this reason I obtain mercy that in me first Jesus Christ might show all long-suffering, that he might show this as a pattern to those who are going to believe on him for everlasting life. Paul knew, he said, I, I know whom I have believed. He knew this. One of the keys to having that kind of faith and that kind of attitude and that kind of lack of concern, even in the face of certain death as the apostles did, is what we know from the scriptures, from a constant study of the scriptures. You see, we can know, not based on our feelings, not based on our opinions, not based on what Doug Dingley or any preacher or any religious person in our past said, we can know based on the word of God we can know that we have eternal life. You know how I know that? For the Bible tells me so. 1 John, chapter 5. Please turn there. 1 John. 1 John is a book just full of I knows or we knows. But I love the one in 1 John 5, beginning at verse 11. You've heard me preach it many times. This is the testimony. Paul says, here it is. That God has given, past tense, no doubt about it, you can take it to the bank. God has given us eternal life. And, this is the important part, or this is, this is important too, we can say we have eternal life, but saying it don't make it happen. We got to know where it's located because we got to go get it. <clears throat> he has given us eternal life, and this life is in His Son. The only way that we can know for sure, we, have, we know He's given it to us, but He's put it in His Son. We have got to be in His Son in order to have it. He who has the Son, as he goes on to say in verse 12, has life. He who does not have the Son of God does not have life. These things I have written to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may, what? Know that you have eternal God doesn't want you to doubt. God doesn't want you to panic. God doesn't want you. God's paid way too much for you to live a life of panic. Did you know that? God did not send his Son to this earth to redeem us through all he went through to pay all that price so that you and I 
could be worried about every possible potential thing that could happen tomorrow. That's not why he sent him. He didn't. He sent him so that he could die for yours and my sin so that you and I could not only be confident about eternal life but any tomorrows we may or may not have between here and there. That's why I sent him. I came that they might have life and have it to the full. And he wants you to know, he doesn't want you to doubt if you're in Christ. These things are written that you may know that you have eternal life. Look at verse 20. And we know, like I said, this word know is throughout the book of 1 John. And we know that the Son of God has come, come and given us an understanding. Well, how do we get that understanding? Through our study of the scripture. That we may know him who is true. And we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. If there was ever a text that said you've got to be in Jesus to be saved, but once you're in Jesus, you can absolutely know you're saved, it's this one. He said it again and again and again. This eternal life is in Christ, but we can know that we have it. A thorough study of the word of God is the only thing that can lead us to know for certain that it is only those who are in Christ who are blessed and chosen and blameless and forgiven and redeemed and accepted and adopted. Ephesians chapter 1, 3 through 14. It is only through a thorough examination of the scriptures, Bible study, that we can come to know how to get into Christ. Yeah, it's one thing to say, he's given us eternal life. That's awesome, okay? It's another to say, this life is in his son. That's awesome. But how do we therefore get into his son? Because if you just leave it at that, you're lost. We know where it is. We know we've got to be there to get it, but we don't know how to get there from here. Well, God's not going to leave you hanging like that. God wants you to know. And so God has told us how to get into Christ so that we can know that we have eternal life. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Even if you can quote it, please turn there. Romans chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. One of the reasons I want you to turn there is because the word know is right there again. Or do you not know? that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death. Don't you know that? God wants you to know that. He also wants you to know this, verse 4. Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the glory, was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. We know how to get into Christ. Verse 3, baptized into Christ. But all these things and so many more that bring us peace and joy despite whatever unknowns may try to burden and just beat us down tomorrow and the next day and the day after and the day after. Despite them all, we can know for sure what we need to know not to let those things beat us only if we are consistently in God's word. Only if we are consistently Bible studying. But you know, there's a lot of people, like those Paul wrote about in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 12 through 14, who continue to live their lives in totally needless worry and fear about what's going to happen to them tomorrow. And they do this by refusing to get into the Bible and studying it at every opportunity so they can know the things they need to know so those things that they don't know are not such a problem. Paul told us about them. Turn to me in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Look what he said. 
1 Corinthians 2, verse 12. <clears throat> he says, We have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might, oh, there's our word again, <laughs> know the things that have been freely given us by God. God wants you to know everything he's freely given you so that the unknowns won't matter. He says, these things we also speak. Paul said, that's what we've been preaching, is these things that God wants us to know. Not in words which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. We're talking about spiritual things, we're comparing them with other spiritual things, we're learning, we're in the Word of God, we're growing so that we can know these things. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them because they are spiritually discerned. Brethren, the only way we're going to know the spiritual things God wants us to is to be in the spiritual word. That's it. There's no other way. There's just no other way. Some people won't bother to study their Bibles every day or to get involved in a personal Bible study. And he says they're not going to understand. They're not going to, under, they're not going to know. You know what they're going to continue to do? They're going to continue to cringe over every unknown of tomorrow because they don't have the power of what we know from the word of God. How sad. My hope and my prayer is that nobody here or listening to this online ever gets to the point of just saying, no, I don't need to get in there and study every day and spiritually understand the spiritual things. Is my hope and prayer instead like Paul's was to the first century Church of Christ at Ephesus the words we see in Ephesians 1, 15 through 21. Please turn there. It is our last passage of the morning. Ephesians chapter 1. This is my prayer and hope for all of us as well. Because life is too short, too unknown, not to go forward and tackle it with the power of what we can know from God's word. So my hope and prayer is verse 15 and following. Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith, in the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. We have got to get in there so we know what we need to know so we can beat what we don't. The eyes of your understanding, verse 18, being enlightened, that you may know. Paul said, I, I pray to these, these Christians that the eyes of your understanding be enlightened. He's not talking to pagans. He's talking to members of the church. That you may know what is the hope of his calling. Oh, if you could only know what the, this, this fantastic, incredible, all the fullness of this hope that we have. What are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints? If you could, if you could just begin to know one one millionth of, of what our inheritance in Christ is. I want you to know that, Paul says. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead? Paul said, oh, I want you to know this. I pray you would know this. Only way you're going to know it is by getting into the word of God. Not just once but once a day. You see, this kind of knowing that Paul wants them to have, that's the type of knowing that overcomes and overpowers and obliterates all of tomorrow's unknowns. Life is incredibly short. may not seem like that if you're 15, but if you're 75, it seems like that. 
Life's incredibly short. Life is incredibly unknowable as far as the future is concerned. No one can know what tomorrow might bring or even if they'll be here to see it. None of us. But the things that we can know from an in-depth and ongoing study of God's word has the power to make all of those unknowns so much less of a concern, so much smaller, so much less troubling, and so much more a cause for rejoicing when we understand that all things work together for good for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. If you're here this morning, and I was really hoping this morning that maybe a few more of our visitors from last week were here, doesn't matter. The point is the same. If you're here this morning and you are not engaged and involved in a full-time Bible study every day so that you can finally know the truth, not just know it, but see it and make it part of your mind, make it part of your heart, make it part of your attitude, make it part of your outlook, make it part of your future, know in great detail. If you are here this morning and if you are not engaged in that full-time Bible study so that you can finally know the truth on all of those levels and finally be set free from all of that worry and doubt and panic and fear, We'd love to set up a Bible study with you. There's members of this church that would love to sit down and study with you, even if you're a member of the church. You see, you deserve to know. God wants you to know. And we would love to help you as God's people to do that. Maybe you're somebody this morning who's been studying and you've become convinced about the truth of being saved. Maybe the words of the, the lesson this morning have pricked your heart that salvation is only found in Christ. That's the only way you can know for sure. All of these blessings are in Christ. Forgiveness is in Christ, but you know you've never been baptized into Christ. The way the word says you got to, you know you need to, you just haven't done it yet. If that's you, Really consider the words I led off with. You don't know what tomorrow's gonna bring. Your life's but a vapor. If you know you need to be baptized, what on earth are you waiting for? If you wanna know right now, beyond any shadow of a doubt, that you are saved and forgiven by the blood of Christ, we'd love to baptize you into Christ if you're at that point, or study with you how to do that. Anything you need would be awesome right now as we stand and sing. Please come to the front and let your needs be known so that you can know